Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mike, the intern, Ned Reynolds, back in the studio. Thank God it's Friday. So yesterday, I uh, I will admit when I'm wrong, and I told you my bracket predictions, both completely busted. It is shot. It is on the floor burning right now. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you this right now. He's not always wrong. Sometimes he's right. And if you had listened to Ned yesterday, and you put some of these quote-unquote chocolate chips on that game... Arkansas Gonzaga, you'd be walking away with a little bit of chocolate chips. You would have had the chocolate chips, yes, because the spread was not covered, but the game wasn't covered either. I'm a little bit surprised that Gonzaga lost, but then again, in watching the game, I'm not. Arkansas played a terrific basketball game. It was right to the wire, and the Razorbacks won it because they were quicker, and their defense was perfectly coached by Eric Musselman. He did a great job. He knew exactly what Gonzaga was going to do. He shut off underneath. Now, they have the big kid on that Gonzaga team, the seven-footer, who is a tremendous athlete. He fouled out. Now, were the fouls legit? Uh, I mean, yeah, the referees called them. I thought they were bogus myself, but that's that's from a neutral standpoint because I don't have a dog in the hunt. But the fact is that Arkansas was able to make the most of it. Their shooting, while not great, was good. They scored 74 points to 68 for Gonzaga. It was a good game, and Arkansas goes to the Elite Eight, and that is pretty doggone fair. It is. And they they have a pretty good chance. They're not a bad team. They also have a very, very good chance. But that wasn't, I know you don't want to call it an upset because it's the tournament, and when you get to this level of play, it's really any team's game. But that wasn't the only surprise yesterday. No, the one that really did surprise me was Arizona yeah. uh, losing to Houston. Houston's good. I mean, they're, they, they're a tough and scrappy team, and they did knock off the uh, Arizona Wildcats. And I thought Arizona had the best chance of winning the whole thing. The uh, final score in the ball game was 72-60, to 60, and Houston won it going away. The Houston Cougars are also very good. That's going to be a really great matchup when they get together in the Elite Eight. So th- this is going to be a lot of fun. Did have Duke. Duke does continue. I know against a, a really tough Texas Tech team. Duke gets a 78-73 win over Texas Tech, and Mike Krzyzewski continues to coach at least one more game. Couldn't write this any better. The one that's really flying under the radar is Villanova. They uh, knocked off Michigan. I knew they would, 63-55. Villanova's just a better team than Michigan. So now we have four games coming up tonight. They should be pretty interesting, too. Uh, in terms of what's going to happen, well, you have... Purdue and St. Peter's playing tonight. St. Peter's is the big Cinderella team. They're out of Jersey City, New Jersey. They've been around for hundreds of years. Maybe not hundreds, but certainly... Since you uh, were in grade school. Oh, God. St. <laughs> Peter's Peacocks, absolutely. Followed them quite a bit. They're, it, Jersey City is the New Jersey side of New York City. And they have a, they have a tough and scrappy team. They are a 12-and-a-half-point underdog to Purdue. Purdue is really good. I do think Purdue beats St. Peter's. I wouldn't play that game, though, in terms of points. UCLA, two-and-a-half-point pick over North Carolina. Those games are in Philly and in Chicago tonight. And you don't think there are going to be a lot of Jayhawks fans there in Chicago? Kansas plays Providence. Kansas is a seven-point favorite over Providence. And the, uh, the other team playing is Iowa State. They'll have a good contingent in Chicago. They're playing Miami, and Miami's a two-and-a-half-point pick in this one. So if those two win, you get KU and Iowa State, I think, for the fourth time this year. Man. (laughs) 
the, the, the matchups are incredible. It's been a great NCAA tournament so far. It really, oh really has very been very, very good. Um, you know, it's crazy to me. I actually had this conversation yesterday, and we're going to talk about the signings the Chiefs did next hour and all that stuff. But it goes back to what I and you have always said, and the marketing that the NFL has done is just unbelievable. More people are talking about what's going on in the free agency than they are talking about really the NCAA tournament and exhibition baseball. Now, I bet you would probably agree with that last statement because of the disagreement the owners and players had, but... They're still playing. Who got the win yesterday? Well, the Cardinals didn't play, and so they were off. They played today against the Washington Nationals, but the Kansas City did, and the Royals, as is their tradition, playing very well in spring training, beat the Cincinnati Reds 5-4. What does disturb me, but I'm not surprised, is the fact that the crowds are very small. That's what I keep hearing. And they're, The other game, I can't speak for yesterday's game, but the other day when they played the Oakland A's in the surprise Arizona Hey, Mike, the neighborhoods that we live in probably would have been represented there. That's about all that was there, friends and neighbors. I mean, it, it was if it was if it was five or six hundred people, I'd be very surprised. Yeah, it will be interesting to see if the uh, if MLB decides to come out with a real "We're Sorry" campaign and just start blasting it, or maybe make those ticket prices a little bit less. They damn well better. They're going to have to do something because it ain't going to cut it. If after making a deal like that and people are pissed and they don't, you don't have butts and seats. You got an issue. Um, so <laughs> I made the joke to a buddy yesterday, Chaz Rose, about, you know, the equipment manager for the Chiefs is going to be really pissed off this season because now he has two players with two last names. He's got Smith Schuster and he's got uh, uh, Valdez Scantling <laughs> on those big old, big old name jerseys. But hey, uh, I think the Marquez uh, signing was a good one. What do you think? I think the jury is out. I'm going to tell you exactly why. This is Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is signing with the uh, Chiefs as a free agent from the Green Bay Packers. There is what has me disturbed. This guy is 6'4". He does have pretty good speed and did play a little bit for the Packers. He's played, uh, this is will be his third season in the NFL. He played at North Carolina State and South Florida. Played at both those colleges. He was a, one of the portal transfer type individuals. Did play a little bit for the Packers last year. I think he had... Uh, well, 11 games. Is that what it was? Yep. He played in 11 games. and He had uh, something like 430 yards yep. and catches and three touchdowns, something like that. What the Chiefs are doing is putting together their puzzle. And it is a puzzle now that they don't have Tyreek Hill there. So what Reed is doing is gradually fitting different uh, pieces of that puzzle together to see what works. This one has me a little bit bothered. I'll tell you why. I'm not sure this guy makes the team. We'll find out. Really? He was was signed as a free agent, number one. A free agent who was let go after Devontae Adams was traded to the Raiders. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why are the Packers Packers letting a guy who might just fit with their program, why are they letting him go as a free agent and getting virtually nothing for him? That has me bothered a little bit. But we'll see what happens. The Chiefs have decided they're going to take a gamble on him. There's nothing guaranteed with the contract that he signed, but if he does make the team, then more power to him. We'll see if he fits into that scheme of things. Chiefs do have a pretty good core of receivers, but I think what they're doing is signing depth here to see what happens in the draft because they do have a pretty good uh, number of picks coming up in the draft. I think it's 12, if I'm not mistaken. And honestly, I I really have a feeling that (laughs) Brett's going to try and trade up with those two picks on top of each other in the first round. 
I have a feeling. But we'll see what happens. It depends on what's there and what they need to go after and what uh, role they want to fit. Um, it was really funny. In one of the forums I follow, as soon as it was announced that they signed him yesterday, everyone just starts putting Josh Gordon, WR1, Josh Gordon, WR1, like he's going to be the one guy for the Chiefs because no one's really talking about him. But you're right. It is a, it is a puzzle. And you got to play to each guy's strength. And uh, Marquez's strength is he's quick. He's very quick. He didn't really have a great season last year, but 2020 he did have a very good season. So we'll see. I know, bingo. We'll we'll see what happens. You never know. And as far as the Packers letting him go, they probably could afford him after that. After they signed oh, for yes, Adam. Yes, <laughs> they could have to. Don't, don't kid yourself. I kid, I, I kid. <laughs> Speaking of salary caps, though, uh, now that uh, Tyreek's gone and I mentioned we're 20 under, but we made some signings, so that's been floating around a little bit. Um, we're probably back to uh, closer to zero. Again. No, not really. Uh, as of yesterday, it's twenty-six million. Okay, twenty-six million two hundred thousand, and that's pretty good. That gives them a lot of room with which to work, and I think they will work that. They're going to the free agent market. Things are going to happen daily as far as signing of these free agents is concerned, and some of them, in all honesty, aren't being signed for very much money. So therein lies the key to what Veach is doing here. He's building up again a nucleus. On both on the line and in the defensive backfield, and then taking a gamble on the draft and whomever else might be available. But he's picking up different pieces here and fitting it all together into what they perceive is going to be a winner. None of this happened without Andy Reid's knowledge. Believe me, they let him know what they're oh, yeah. doing. And Reid is very bright. Heck, he's been in the game forever and ever. Look at the pedigree. Look at the pedigree. And the coaches. fact that with the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles, he had the championship teams. With the Chiefs, he's had it. He, he knows what to do, but this this time, this season, he's being hit with a different piece of that puzzle, and uh, that in and of itself, I think, is going to be very interesting how they how they judge it and how they form a winning puzzle or piece of that puzzle out of it. And how they respond. We'll see. Uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be an exciting, uh, exciting uh, preseason, especially when training camp starts to see some of these guys in uh, red and gold. Um, you know, I mentioned last hour, it's, it's just insane to me that the sports world has been talking more about the NFL offseason than they have been about the NCAA tournament and you had I mean not last night we had some great games but really they are that's a fact and then exhibition baseball after the the disagreement happens no one really cares still talking about offseason football but on top of that we got team USA trying to get into the World Cup and they're playing last night. No one even knew about it. No they didn't. That's because the media does not give it a whole lot of coverage. And in all honesty, this is a very complicated qualifying round. The World Cup is later this year, and it's in the Middle Eastern country of Qatar. Now, how they're going to handle this when the daily temperature over there is 105 degrees? I think they're going to play many of these games inside where it's at least, relatively speaking, cool. What the USA needs is points. They're currently in second place, and the top four teams make it. They took a big, big step toward qualifying last night and getting the qualifying. They're in the final three games of qualifying. They played Mexico last night, an absolutely outstanding nothing, nothing tie. Two eggs. Both teams, nothing, nothing. So what's that mean? Well, it means the USA gets one point, and they are one point closer now to clinching. Play Panama on Sunday in uh, Orlando, I believe it is, Orlando, Florida, and then have one more game against Costa Rica doesn't sound like much, but those teams can play some pretty good soccer. Nonetheless, the USA team looks like it's right on the verge of qualifying, if it really hasn't already, some of these teams when they lose along these qualifying lines. 
But the USA has two games remaining, Panama and uh, the Costa Rica game, coming up latter part of next week. And we'll see what happens, but I do think the red, white, and blue will be in Qatar where they play the World Cup this year. Man, it's going to be crazy. Uh, but, yeah, go your Team USA against Panama on Sunday. Ned, you have a great weekend, man. 